0: You're listening to a Sunday morning sermon by Authentic Church.
1: Right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here on our second birthday today. It's very exciting, isn't it? So last month seems a long time ago now because we are in October. Can you believe that already? October. Last month, Nigel spoke to us about Zacchaeus as part of our series about people who encountered Jesus. And as a ro- result of his encounter with Jesus, Sergius was totally changed. And we're going to meet someone else today who was also totally changed after their encounter with Jesus. And it is a familiar story to most of us, the story of the woman at the well. I'm going to read it for you. It's quite a long story. So if you'd like to follow it with me today, we are going to be reading from John chapter 4, starting at verse 1. So if you want to read that, I will jump around a little bit towards the end, because I'm not going to read all of it, all of it. But yeah, John chapter 4 which in my Bible is called, Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he we're just going to drop down to verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Amen. So a bit of background and context for you for this um, passage here. So we can see right at the beginning that Jesus had been in Jerusalem and it appears that the Pharisees were getting a bit nervous about his growing numbers of followers and disciples. And we read in verse 3, it says he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And in verse 4, that he had to go through Samaria. So here is a map because I needed to figure this out geographically in my head. So you can see down the bottom here in orange, this is Judea, and there's Jerusalem with a big red circle. Up here is Galilee, which is where Jesus was heading, and slap bang in the middle of both of those is Samaria. And this is the town of Sychar here, which is where he met the woman. So the route he went through, through Samaria, was not the usual way that Jews would travel between Judea and Galilee, because... It meant having to go through Samaria. And the Jews and the Samaritans despised one another. So the Jews considered, in fact, the Samaritans to be unclean. So actually, what many Jews did, even though it was faster to go through Samaria, is they kind of hugged the Jordan River. Some would even cross over and travel on the other side. So they would um, basically try to avoid contact with the Samaritans that's what they would normally do. But that's not what Jesus did. In verse 5 and 6, we see that he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. There it is on the map. And tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, Sychar is around about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. So he'd already traveled a good distance, possibly the whole of the previous day. And it is now getting very hot. And I just love this little glimpse into the humanity of Jesus, the fact that he was tired, and so he sat down by a well. Fully God, yet fully human. He understands what it's like to feel weary and tired. And then the Samaritan woman arrives to draw water from the well. Now, the culture in those days was that the women would collect the water, because this was an opportunity for them to meet with their friends, catch up on the latest gossip, form and build relationships, a bit like the modern-day school run. If any of you have ever had to do the school run, I used to love doing the school run when my kids were little, because it was a chance to catch up with my friends, find out what was going on, share stories about what our kids were up to, and all that kind of stuff. So fetching the water was as much a social activity as it was a practical one. But in order to avoid the heat of the Mediterranean day, the women would normally go either first thing in the morning or towards dusk when it was a lot cooler. But this woman came at noon, right in the middle of the day when it was scorching hot. Why did she do that? Well... I think we can conclude from her actions that she was not part of the same social circle that the other women were in. But she's probably a bit of a social outcast, actually, rejected by people in her community. She's actively avoiding the well when she knows other women will be there. She is isolating herself. And later on in the story, we learn that she's been married five times already and is currently with a man who is not her husband. So she's broken socially acceptable rules and her wrongdoing, her sin, has caused her to be separated from her community, to be shunned. I imagine that the people in her community were gossiping about her. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation, either in reality or one that you've imagined in your head, where people are talking about you. I know I have, and it's absolutely horrible. You feel horrible, don't you, when you think people are talking about you. So I imagine that she did not want to be at the well knowing that people would be gossiping about her. And I imagine that she felt a degree of shame, embarrassment, guilt maybe, about her situation. And so she just wanted to avoid other people. And she came to the place where she knew nobody else would be. Or so she thought, not at noon on a scorching Mediterranean day. And there she met Jesus. Now let's think for a minute about his attitude to this woman. This sinful woman who'd been cast out by her community, who is avoiding other people by fetching water at the hottest time of the day. What does Jesus make of her? Well, first of all, we've already seen that he went out of his way to meet her. He could have gone the route of most other Jews, avoiding Samaria and the people living there, but instead, he has deliberately travelled that way to meet with her. He is not put off by his, her situation. He's not put off by her sinfulness. And in the same way, he's not put off by our situations and our sinfulness. He will do anything to get our attention and to meet us where we are, just as he did with this Samaritan woman. Secondly, Jesus was waiting for her. He got to the well before she did, and he waited for her to arrive. He met her where she was. He didn't force his way into her life, but he met her as she was just going about the course of her everyday activity. Jesus is extremely patient when it comes to waiting. I should know, because for the first 27 years of my Christian life, I didn't really know Jesus, and Nigel has alluded to this already. I knew of Jesus, of course I did, because I was brought up in church, but the church that I was brought up in, as Nigel has already said, wheeled Jesus out on special occasions, really, didn't really teach much about Jesus. I knew, knew he existed, obviously, but it was mostly about God. And so I didn't really know Jesus at all. But he waited patiently for me, and he gently gave me opportunities to get to know him, until in August 2017, I was at the one event, which I was talking to Roger about just earlier, um, which is now called Awaken, and I had a really powerful encounter with Jesus, which I'll talk a little bit more about later on. But basically, Jesus waited for me for 27 years. He is good at waiting. And you know what? He's waited for me since then as well. Every time he's waited for me to get it. Some lesson that he's tried to teach me, I'm still learning as we all are. He waits for me to get it. And he waits for all of us, whether it's to make our very first decision to follow him or whether it's to learn something new about him or about ourselves which will be transformative. But it's not an impatient sort of foot-tapping, finger-drumming kind of impatient waiting. It's a gentle, patient waiting. Thirdly, Jesus reached beyond and broke down so many social barriers in having this conversation with this Samaritan woman. He broke down racial, religious, and gender barriers, and he went massively against the culture of the time. I love Jesus and the way he is so radical in how he does stuff. In the culture of the time, men would rarely speak to women in public, even if they were married to them. And single men were not supposed to speak to or touch women at any time. Even the woman is surprised by his audacity because she says, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Even she's surprised that he's chatting with her. But thank goodness Jesus was not like other men. He didn't care about racial or gender divides. He didn't care about the hatred of others or about the cultural norms of the day. He was going to have that conversation anyway, and he was going to smash down the barriers that tried to prevent him from having that conversation. Because for Jesus, it's all about grace. He went out of his way to wait by a well in Samaria in the middle of the day to have a prohibited conversation with an isolated and sinful woman. If Jesus had acted like any other Jew, he would have taken the long way round, avoiding Samaria and he would never have met up with that woman in Sychar. But he knew what she needed to enable her to leave her life of sin to be saved. And he wanted to give her the opportunity to accept his gift. And he didn't hold back. He pointed out the woman's sin. He didn't try to avoid it, the elephant in the room. But he pointed it out in a gentle way, not in a way that condemned her. He simply spoke the truth about her situation without embellishment and without judgment. And then he simply spoke the truth about himself, declaring himself to be the Messiah and making her realise that the living water he was offering had the power to transform her life. And notice that Jesus gave her a choice. He didn't force his will onto her, but he was gentle and he showed kindness. He offered her the gift of salvation but she still had to choose to accept it. She could have rejected him and what he was saying to her. She could have repeated that he was a Jewish man and shouldn't have been talking to her. She could have told him to mind his own business when he spoke about her personal life. She could have said she was not interested in what he was offering and gone back to her miserable, isolated existence. She could have refused to listen to his claims and missed out on his transforming power in her life. This is what many people in the world do today, isn't it? When they hear the gospel of Jesus, they choose to reject it rather than embrace it. Jesus always gives us a choice, the choice to follow him or not. And again, I'm not referring simply to the first decision that we make to follow him, but every decision we make after that, that we continue to make on our discipleship journey, day after day, the decision to keep following him when life doesn't go to plan, when things don't work out the way we'd hoped, when frankly it would be easier to not be a Christian. Those days, we still have to choose whether to follow him or not. So how does the woman change following her encounter with Jesus? Well, if any of you, I know we talk about it a lot, have ever watched The Chosen, this story is told so beautifully. I wanted to show you the whole clip, but it's rather long. I'm gonna show you what happens at the end of Jesus' meeting with the Samaritan woman.
0: I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. (laughs) Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day?
1: I am rejected by others.
0: I know, but not by the Messiah. I promise.
1: This man told me everything I've done.
0: Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> hey, wait! Your water. You forgot your, um.
1: It's just so beautiful, isn't it? It's just so beautiful when you see Jesus meeting people, and um, I love that. Where she says, "I've been rejected by so many people," and He says, "Not by the Christ." After her encounter with Jesus, she feels seen and she feels known, maybe for the first time in many years. And she's so excited about her encounter that she immediately goes back to the town to tell the people all that's happened. She leaves her water jars by the well, the very reason she was there in the first place. She dropped what she was doing to go and tell others. Suddenly, fetching water didn't seem that important anymore. And just as we saw an immediate change in Zacchaeus after his encounter with Jesus this woman's whole demeanour changed and she was transformed by Jesus' love for her. Where moments earlier she was doing her very best to avoid her community, now she's desperate to tell those people all about Jesus. And clearly the people can see the transformation in her because we read... In verse 30, that they came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. And in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Previously, she was shunned by those same people because of her lifestyle, because of her history. And yet now they can see something different about her, something so tangible, so real, that they are compelled to go and see the man who brought about the change. They could so easily have dismissed what she said because, let's face it, they didn't like her very much. But something about her made them realise she was genuinely different and they wanted to see why. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 tells us that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. She went, From feeling rejected and miserable to having hope and joy. Her old life was gone, a new life had begun. This is what Jesus does for people who encounter him. And you might think, well, I've been a Christian a long time already, it's too late for me to be transformed by Jesus. He'd have done it by now if he was going to. It's only, the, it's only for people who are not yet Christians like this Samaritan woman. But I tell you, it's never too late. Back to my story about the first 27 years of my Christian life when I didn't really know Jesus. And yet in August 2017, I was transformed. It was like I'd become a Christian again. It was like I'd been born again, again, again. Now, with hindsight, I realise that Jesus engineered all the stuff that happened to me in the run-up to that moment. But I still had a choice, and I could have said, no, thank you. I knew that, and I thank God that I chose to accept what was offered to me on that day, because my life has not been the same since. I wrote this a couple of days later on my social media. There it is, there's the post I know it's very small, so I'll read what I wrote. It says this I have been going to church all my life and been a Christian since I was 19 years old, but in recent years I have really struggled with my faith. I've been angry with God about all sorts of things, turned my back on Him, felt rejected by Him, worthless and inadequate in so many ways. Personally, professionally, and spiritually, but this weekend, God powerfully reminded me that He loves me, He loves me, He loves me, and I encountered Jesus in an amazing way. I now know that I am loved, not condemned, I am precious, not worthless, I am changed on the inside. Hashtag, thank you, Jesus. Hashtag, Jesus loves me. Hashtag. I am changed. That was what I wrote three days after my encounter with Jesus. I don't think I'd ever written anything on my social media like that, and I know I hadn't before. Yeah, that was quite something for me. Hashtag I am changed. Jesus wants to change each of us wherever we are on our walk with him, whether we know him yet or we don't. He sees where you're at, he sees how you're feeling, he knows everything there is to know about you, but he still wants you for his own because he loves you. He will go out of his way so that you can encounter him. He will wait for you, decades if necessary. He doesn't care what you've done or you haven't done in your past but he will always give you a choice about accepting what he has to offer or not. And it's never too late to have a fresh encounter with Jesus.
0: I just want to echo Tammy's transformation. And I'm not embarrassing my wife here. But she once said to me, I'm never going to be a pastor's wife. That was how against the Lord she was. And now she's not a pastor's wife, she's a pastor. She once said, I'm I'm never going to preach, I don't preach. The message you brought today was amazing. You worshipped with your hands in the air. You would never have done that once. That's what Jesus can do. That's not what I do. That's not what we do for ourselves. That's what Jesus does. He breaks chains. He sets us free. He meets us where we are. He changes us for the better. That's what Jesus does. And I thank Jesus for you. (laughs) There will be one Sunday where hopefully I don't cry. (laughs) Let's just close in prayer. Jesus, I need you. I need you every moment of every day. Because sometimes this world makes no sense to me whatsoever. But you're still there waiting. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Would you help us be like that woman at the well who just has to run and share Jesus with others? And would you start with me? And would you help us to help each other? birthday. (laughs) Happy second birthday, church. Amen.